This episode of Riveting Reads is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. We already know you guys like good stories. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads and browse their unmatched selection of audio programs. Download the one that grabs your attention for free and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads to check it out. Now on to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Riveting Reads podcast, where each season brings you a serialized version of thrilling news stories along with exclusive bonus content from the author. This is season one, Insomnia, book one of the Nightwalker series by J.R. Johansson, narrated by Roy Samuelson. New episodes are posting weekly on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Stick around after today's chapter for some author insights into the writing process behind this chapter with Insomnia's author, J.R. Johansson. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and I'm here to give you a quick recap of Episode 7, Chapter 7 of Insomnia. In this episode, we have the first co-ed soccer practice. Parker is in one of the few places he still feels really, truly comfortable, and he leads some of the drills in the practice. He tries to take advantage of the opportunity to get to know Mia better, but she is resistant and won't answer any of his questions. He spends another night in one of Mia's dreams, and it is the same as before. The setting is different, but it's still one layer, and Parker is again able to sleep. And that's your recap for Chapter 7. Stick around now for Chapter 8 of Insomnia. Hope you enjoy! Insomnia the Nightwalkers. Written by J.R. Johansson. Narrated by Roy Samuelson. 8. After two nights of Mia's dreams, I felt fantastic. Better than I remembered feeling ever. Her dreams could be the best thing that had ever happened to me. I was beginning to believe I might even be able to survive this curse with her help. Seeing her, making eye contact, her dreams. It was all I could think about. And now that I had passed my retake of Mr. Nelson's exam, it was all I had to think about. I leaned against my car, the chill from the cool metal sinking through my shirt and into my skin. I thought about throwing on my jacket, but I liked being a little cold. I liked feeling so alive. Occasionally, I waved at one of the people passing me, but my attention was on the door to the school. I hadn't seen Mia all day, but she had to come out this way. I wouldn't miss her. At least, I hoped I wouldn't. But already, the parking lot was nearly empty. Some guy with a black leather jacket was standing at the bottom of the stairs into school, blocking my view. Lately, that dude always seemed to be in my way. Our school wasn't that big, and I knew most people by sight, if not by name. So, why didn't I recognize him? My hands shook, and I moved a step to the left so I could see around him. Could I have missed Mia because of him? I jumped when Addie grabbed my elbow, nearly breaking her nose. Watch it, Parker, jeez. Oh, I'm sorry, Addie. I shifted my position so I could see her and the stairs at the same time. Reaching out, I put my hand on her shoulder until she looked at me. Are you okay? Did I hurt you? She shook her head and rubbed the pointy tip of her nose that was already red in the cold air. What are you doing? What do you mean? 
I dropped my arm back to my side and glanced over her shoulder at the stairs again. You've been staring at those doors since I came out. I called your name three times. What's going on? Nothing. I shrugged and returned my eyes to the stairs. She shuffled her feet and took a step away. Who is it? What? Who are you looking for? I tried to find an easy explanation. Jeff. Oh. I was relieved that her voice sounded more normal when she spoke. He took Mia and left before last period. She had some counseling thing or something. I couldn't stop my head from whipping around to her. Is she in one of your classes? She bit her lip for a moment before speaking. Oh, it's Mia. What? I shook my head, confused. Finn walked up and leaned against the car. What's Mia? He pulled a Dr. Pepper out of his backpack and popped it open as he turned to me. And why does she keep coming up? I ignored him and opened my car door. Parker likes her, Addie said softly. Her face was unreadable, like always. Finn took a big gulp of his drink, then grinned. Yeah? Is this the part where we sing, Parker and Mia sitting in a tree? I shook my head, uncomfortable with the turn in the conversation. See you guys tomorrow. Later, Finn managed to say, around a mouthful of Dr. Pepper. Addie waved without looking directly at me and turned away. Sliding into my ragged leather seat, I saw Addie hit Finn's shoulder as they walked toward the front of the school. I was glad she had swim team practice and Finn tutored in the library today. My mind was reeling from the last 48 hours and I needed some time to process. Alone. I'd already missed my chance for true sleep tonight. Realistically, Mia's dreams shouldn't be the same every night, but so far, there seemed to be a pattern, at least. It was far from a sure thing, but I had to admit it was possible. Her dreams might be able to save me. Dread and fear of my future had been everything in my life. Everything I said, did, even thought, was tainted by it. For years now, I had been fading and doing it alone. Now, everything was different. Maybe there could be an answer. Maybe Mia was the only way. A kind of manic hope and need was filling the emptiness in me. I tried to ignore the undercurrent of fear that still ran strong beneath everything else. It didn't matter. Nothing mattered now but the possibility of a different future. The woman at the checkout counter had pale green eyes. As with grass in wintertime, something had sucked the vibrancy away. They were sad, even as she nodded and told me to have a nice day. Her name tag said Agnes, and she decorated it with stickers of small blue flowers. I hadn't meant to look her in the eye. But did it really matter whose dreams I watched anymore? If they weren't Mia's, then they were still bad news for me, no matter who the dreamer was. I frowned as I loaded the groceries mom asked me to pick up into the back of my car. From the moment the dream started, I could feel them. Now that I knew what Mia's dreams felt like with the layers gone, they were more tangible here than ever before. Like everyone but Mia, Agnes kept me locked inside her dreams, at a distance from my own. I hated her and her stupid pine-soul-scented dream. 
forcing down the urge to bash my head, or even her head, against the floor until I broke through the layers that kept me awake. I dug my fists into my thighs until I felt the anger dim. It wasn't her fault. None of this was her fault. The sound of children's voices echoed down the hall. A game show was on the TV, but Agnes never turned to watch it. She kept dusting the same tables over and over, even though the room was spotless. The detail was as clear as a memory, but there were a few items that overlapped. The same stack of coasters filled five separate places on the oak end table. The game show had different contestants every time I looked at it, but each was equally vivid. It was like several memories overlapping each other. The front door opened and a thick man in a shirt and tie came into the living room. The emotion coming from Agnes shifted so fast, I felt dizzy. Pure fear filled my body from my toes to my eyebrows, and I regretted the single violent thought I had had against her. The sound of the children down the hall silenced, and I heard a door shut. Hi, dear. Agnes hid the feather duster behind her back. From my position, I could see the feathers twitching as her hands trembled. He grunted and plopped into the recliner closest to the TV. Agnes handed him the remote and put the feather duster in the closet. Within seconds, she was back with a beer from the fridge. He grabbed it and nodded without even a glance in her direction. What's for dinner? Meatloaf, she answered, backing toward the kitchen. It will be ready in a few minutes. Her fear was still there, but she seemed to be feeling more confident. I slumped onto the carpet and leaned against the wood paneling on the wall. She might feel better, but I didn't. There was no question that he'd hit her before. It was impossible to miss the signs. Agnes set the table and called for the kids to come to the kitchen. Two blonde children came down the hall. The little boy was quieter than any child I'd ever seen. He couldn't have been more than five years old. His sister was maybe a year or two older, and she kept moving back and forth in front of her brother. It took me a moment to realize she was placing herself between her brother and her dad. The kids sat at the table, and Agnes brought a plate to her husband in his recliner. The family ate in silence. Everyone at the table stared at their plates. Agnes reached over to refill the milk in her son's cup. He lifted it, but lost his grip. The glass fell to the table as if in slow motion. Panic shot through the room like a lightning bolt. The little girl was back from the kitchen with a towel before I could blink. The boy stared in horror at the glass, but he didn't make a sound as his eyes brimmed with tears. Agnes hurried to clean it up, but the moment her husband glanced back at her, she sent the kids to their room. I could hear their soft sniffles coming down the hallway as she continued to wipe up the mess with shaking fingers. I'm sorry, Ray. He sighed and pushed pause on his DVR remote. When he stood, I stepped in his way. I didn't want to see this. Please, no more. But he was an aspect of the dream, and I was just a watcher. He walked right through me, and I felt nothing. I knelt on the floor, helpless, wishing I'd met the eyes of anyone but this poor woman. All I ask is that things be clean. His voice rumbled low, and her fear spiked as she backed away from him. 
He grabbed her shoulder and shoved her against the wall. I watched her shrink to the floor. My arm exploded with her pain, but I didn't move or flinch. She didn't cry out. I would be strong with her, for her, even if she didn't know I was there. I know. It was an accident. I'm so sorry. He reached under her chin, grabbed her throat, and lifted her to her feet. Don't you want me to be happy? She nodded, gasping for air, and he threw her back to the ground. Everything ached. Agnes and I gulped in air in unison, and I felt the will to fight seep out of my body, the same way it had fled from Agnes. Don't do it again. He walked back to his recliner and pushed play on the remote. Agnes whispered, I won't. Wiping tears from her cheeks, she got unsteadily to her feet. There was a cut on the top of her ear that was bleeding, and I could see the red outline of her husband's hand against her throat. She pulled her thin brown hair out of its bun with shaking fingers and tried to arrange it to hide her neck and ear. Carefully lifting the plates, she headed down the hall to her kid's bedroom. As the dream faded into one of Agnes at work, I clenched my hands against my forehead. This was too hard. People had dark, disturbing secrets, and every time I invaded their minds, it dimmed a little piece of me. I could feel the darkness from other people's nightmares squirming into my brain. How long before it changed who I was, my idea of what was normal? Or had it already happened? We'll dive right back into the story after this short break. This episode of Riveting Reads is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. The audiobook that I want to recommend today is actually Insomnia. Insomnia is available for the first time ever in audiobook. You can get it piece by piece through this program as you are right now, along with the additional authorly insights afterward. Or you can get it all at once if you're not so patient, and you can do that through Audible. Whether you decide you can't wait and you binge on insomnia or you get a different audiobook of your choice, you can do that today by going to audibletrial.com forward slash riveting reads. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash riveting reads for your free audiobook. Hope that was a nice breather for you because we now continue with chapter eight of Insomnia. I woke with my whole body covered in a cold sweat and it only went downhill from there. I couldn't even think about food without wanting to throw up, and I couldn't stop shivering. It felt nothing like any flu I'd ever had. The early morning rain fell in misty droplets on my car window as I watched the shadows outside the grocery store shift around in unnatural ways. At the corners of my vision, I could almost see things moving in them, moving through them, things that I knew couldn't be real. I shivered as the well-lit interior of the store called to me. Hopefully, the shadows couldn't follow me there, but what I planned to do inside wasn't any less scary. My hands shook so hard, I folded my arms and clamped my elbows down hard to make them stop. Sleeping in Mia's dreams seemed to ease the tremors, but now, after just one night without her, they were back, full force. I didn't want to think about what it might be like if I missed her again today, or if her dreams were different tonight. The store was nearly empty at this hour, 
I still had 20 minutes here before I had to head to school. Swallowing hard, I tapped on Agnes's shoulder. She whirled around to face me, her shocked face turning to a sympathetic smile when she saw me. Agnes, dreams of being broken. Oh dear, you don't look like you feel well. Can I help you find the pharmacy? Ever since I woke up, I've been thinking about how to approach her. I couldn't help Mr. Flint's wife. She was already dead. But Agnes wasn't. I was done being helpless, done putting up with my curse trapping me in this living nightmare against my will. This time, I would do something. My jaw clenched so tight I couldn't speak. The paper in my hand was me interfering. I was interfering in the most private parts of her life. My hand shook as I handed Agnes the list of shelters and women's rescues that I had printed out the moment I had gotten out of bed. I know what he does to you. This is a list of places that can help you. Confusion crossed her features as she took my paper and glanced down at it. Within seconds, she placed one hand to her mouth and started shaking her head. Agnes, they'll keep you safe, you and the kids, I whispered. I dropped my hands to my sides. I don't know what you're talking about, she muttered, her voice low. When she lifted her gaze to mine, I could see pain and humiliation in her eyes. Who are you? I shook my head, not knowing what else to say. Agnes pushed the paper against my chest and tried to turn away. I stretched my hand out to touch her shoulder, but she flinched and I stopped. This was exactly what I was afraid of. How could I help her? I couldn't even explain how I knew. Stepping around to the counter in front of her, I laid my paper on her checkout stand. In case you change your mind, I really hope you do. Then I turned and walked out of the store into the drizzling rain. Once I got to the car, I kicked the tire. I rested my forehead against the cold, wet metal of the door and tried to push aside another intense wave of nausea. Why did this curse give me people's secrets without any way to deal with them? I didn't understand it. But it seemed like getting real sleep through Mia's dreams was now creating a rebound effect that made me go downhill faster than before. If so, I needed to watch Mia's dreams as much as possible before it got any worse. I climbed in the car and started the engine. As I was pulling out of the parking lot, I saw Agnes in the alley beside the store. She leaned against the brick building, wet and sobbing, clutching my paper to her chest. At least, I knew she kept it. Thanks for listening to the Riveting Reads podcast, Season 1, Insomnia. New podcast episodes will be available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you're not the patient type and want the full book now, you can find the audiobook on Audible Podcasts or the paperback version on Amazon. Stick around for some author insights from J.R. Johansson about the chapter featured in this episode. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and welcome to the Authorly Insights section for Chapter 8. In this chapter, we step back into another moral dilemma for Parker. If you knew people's secrets, but they never told you, what do you do with that information? In the case of Mr. Flint, the janitor who killed his wife in Chapter 1, 
There is no one left to save there. Parker just has to hope that the police will be able to figure it out and do their job. But in the case of Agnes here, she and her children are at very real risk, and he might be the only one who knows. Parker is in bad shape here. After getting a taste of real sleep again, and then going another night without it, but he's still more worried about Agnes than himself. This tells us a lot more about his true character. Parker is probably the most flawed protagonist I've ever written. He makes monstrously huge mistakes, but at his core, he really wants to do the right thing. And I'm not sure if it's my fascination with psychology or if uh, I'm just messed up personally, <laughs> but you'll have to send me a message on Twitter or Instagram. Let me know if you agree with me. But to me, people's motivations matter almost as much as their actions, if not more sometimes. Now I'm wondering if I messed up. Let me know what you think. <laughs> and that's it for the Authorly Insights section on Chapter 8. To send me your thoughts on moral dilemmas, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at jrjohansen. And I will see you next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Riveting Reads. Please check out details for our reader appreciation program in the podcast notes or on rivetingreadspodcast.com. Also, a reminder that we're still a new podcast and we would love to hear from you. Please subscribe as well as rating and reviewing in your podcast app. Thanks, and we'll see you in a few days for the next episode.